Hi, we're back here again with another episode of Time to Talk Travel. I'm Nasreen. We've got Des and Sharon here as well. And today's topic is travel journaling and how to be present in your journeys, but also remember them and get what you want out of them. Sharon is our expert on this because she has a piece of content about how to do this in this fantastic way that you don't even have to think about, which I need to hear more about because I went from taking so many pictures that I didn't enjoy the vacation to burnout and not taking enough and being sad afterwards. I need to hear about this perfect balance in the middle. I think we have all been as we're we're so desperate to capture everything that's happening in our fantastic vacation that we end up becoming full-time documentarians and not actually enjoying our vacation. So I hate to see that happen. The three of us met because we were all working as influencers and bloggers and going on a lot of trips where that was literally our job. It was our job to take pictures. But it became so ingrained for me that even when I went on a trip with my family, I found I was still documenting and not enjoying. And I knew there had to be a better way. One of the things I did as an influencer is I started putting together guides for other travel journalists and influencers and bloggers to capture their vacation without sacrificing their sanity. Along the way, I became acquainted with an activities director for Celebrity Cruise Lines who said, you know what, you have some great tips for sharing trips. I bet people on our boats would love it. I put together a whole program for the cruise ships. That course many years ago and my experience um, as a blogger led to the book I'm about to release, which is a DIY travel photo journal. The goal of that is really to teach people how to get the pictures that they need, think the thoughts and ask the questions that'll allow them to maybe jot a few notes down so they'll remember their vacation for years to come. They'll have plenty of pictures to share on social media because let's face it, we all care about that. But they'll be able to be present and enjoying their travels. There's just so many things to do and pictures to take. And it's nice to have the picture and down the experience. Absolutely. Des, where do you stand on the many pictures, not too many pictures? Where are you on that debate? I see both extremes. Again, I like to document the travels. People back home often see me as a resource for, oh, where did you stay? What did you do? I feel like I'm helping them. I will be honest about, okay, I stayed at this hotel. I would never do that again. I loved this Airbnb and and what have you. So For me, it's an important part of sharing because I do feel like people look to me for that. But I travel a ton with my daughter. And I will say the last trip we took to Santorini, I would take 100 pictures and think that's plenty. My boyfriend will take 10. We're good. I want more options, so I'll take 100. My daughter wants 1,000. So I see both extremes and I don't want too few. I don't want a thousand either. I love Sharon's idea of having a master list. Make sure you get this shot, this shot, this shot, and then put the camera down, enjoy the trip. I also am a subscriber in hiring someone who, if there's a money shot, something you really, really want, hire somebody, whether that's photographer, and we can get into that more, but I firmly believe that because I'm always the one taking the picture, I'm not in a whole lot of them. And I want to be in the picture. I also like the idea of making sure the shots you have are really good shots. Not just getting the shot, but getting the shot right. 
I do have a lot of um, tips and tricks for getting the shot right in my book as well. But one thing I was going to say is that you mentioned people looking to you for advice, and then you mentioned money shots. And I think that it's important to separate out the types of photography around a trip and the types of poster sharing. They're not all the same. So maybe before you travel, we all anticipate travel a lot. And that is actually a big part of travel is the anticipation. It's getting ready for the journey. It's asking people, what shoes did you wear? What bag did you carry? What route did you travel? There's a lot of, I like to call it butter because it's like the good stuff that you put on to melt all over and it gives you good feelings. There's a lot of butter in the planning phase of travels. When you're sharing pictures of which bag should I buy, it doesn't have to be a perfectly focused, perfectly shot, perfectly captioned picture. It's more of a conversation. When you're sharing those money shots where you want to be in the picture and you want to look really good, I I call those wish you were here pictures. Everyone's going to be jealous of you. Everyone's going to be like, wow, it's, it's aspirational. Those are the ones that I completely agree. Hire a photographer because you're never going to get that shot, get that angle like a professional will. They know the lighting. They know the angle. They know the location. And they're going to save you hours and hours, get you the picture you were looking for, and you can go on and enjoy your vacation <laughs> and check that off your list. So I'm right there with you on. Um, what about you, Naz? What about- I was saying. I think that the photographer thing is fantastic. I've used Flytographer before, and there are a bunch of other services as well. I think one of the things I love about them, and maybe this is just me trying to be quirky or unique or something, is there are a lot of very iconic places in traveled to cities that people get their pictures taken at. But when you hire someone from one of these services, a lot of times they'll give more options in the city that are just as beautiful, could be known as well and recognizable, but they're not as busy and they're not the main ones. I know my sister got her pictures taken in Paris and I hired this out for her. The locations that they picked had views of multiple things in the background and they knew where to put her to have those images access many of the attractions versus just one or just two or posing where everyone else was. They knew where to go in the surrounding area where you had a view, but people weren't lined up. And so those types of tips, tricks, learnings that they have You won't get without a ton of research and you'll end up with a way better picture. And then from a standpoint of not being in the picture, I travel with my kids a lot solo. I'm the adult on the trip. We end up with pictures with some of us and not the others. And it started me going to slightly more touristy places that maybe I wouldn't have gone to because there's always groups of other people and you offer, oh, can I take your picture? And then they're going to reciprocate. So we did a very standard, pretty hike in New Hampshire that had paved paths that was more of a tourist attraction than a hike that I wouldn't normally have stopped at, but it had gorgeous waterfalls, tons of people. We have some really great family photos from that day. My kids don't tend to make weird faces for other people. That's such a great tip. I actually think I might put that in the book is get someone else to take the picture if you don't want your kids to make a weird face. Mm-hmm. But you raise a really, really good issue is ways to get yourself in the picture, whether that's specialized equipment. Do you bring a tripod or some sort of 
have a stand and a device where you can trigger your camera from a distance. I think as parents, as moms, we've all suffered from where we're not in the picture. I have a bunch of shot lists that suggest things like pictures of your hands and your feet in the sand or everybody's hands all together. Those sorts of storytelling images that maybe you don't necessarily have to have your face in the picture, but presence is there. And that can help also when you're putting together a whole journal of your travels to put yourself in there. You don't have to have perfect hair or you don't have to get a stranger to take your picture. You don't have to bust with a lot of equipment. It can just be one of those pictures where you're reaching your hand out and somebody else is grabbing your hand or your shoes somewhere or it just as little touches like that can put you in the picture. Absolutely. Practice with the timer at home first. Play with your phone before you go on the trip and give yourself the option of using the timer by making sure you know how to use it before you are trying to take a picture in front of an attraction that you have waited your turn to stand in front of and take a picture. That's my soapbox for today. Another thing you can do is if you're really not comfortable with your timer, shoot a short video and Mm -hmm. freeze the frame of the video. Absolutely. That's a kid trick for me. I do a lot of photos on live. I remember setting up this beautiful Christmas shot one year. My girls were in matching velvet dresses. My son was in a similarly colored outfit. We had the pile of Christmas lights. I was going to get this perfect picture. And yeah, there's three of them. Now there's four of them. To get four children to all look fairly normal at the same time is tricky. I was going through them. I'm like, oh, they're all making faces. I finally found one that I thought was great. And I didn't look at it super closely. So I got it printed. My older son had put one of the Christmas lights up his nose. So his (laughs) nose was glowing out the side, but the girl's face looked normal and he was smiling and I didn't notice it. So on live, that's how I do it now. And then I just scroll back and forth and try and find the moment when maybe they all look human and appropriate. You know what? The the candidates are the best shots to me anyway. I know we talked about posing, but even posing, doing something, not just everybody standing, looking straight at the camera. I despise those. I've never bought a single school taken photos they do. Same for volleyball. They always pose. Now, I'm going to take the action shots. I am so much happier with those. I want to see you in the moment. And no matter what it is you're doing, I just I really love those. How do I do that? And still put the camera away and live in that moment. The reason why we all love those candid photos is because they're storytelling images. And they're telling the story of what we did and how we felt and what it meant to us and what we saw and what our view was and how it changed us. All the emotion, all the feelings, all the action is in those candidates. And you're right. It's really hard to get candidates because you have to sit there and wait with camera by your eye and capturing at the perfect moment. So I have a list of shots that are candid style shots that can be composed very quickly and very easily and give you the feeling of your trip that you're trying to capture without actually capturing the real candid moment. I think that if you want to capture the real candid moments, you've either got to sacrifice some of your own experience or or a local photographer to follow you around. Sometimes, in addition to those money shots of the blowing dress on Santorini, sometimes it's a good idea if you're going clean for the first time or you're learning a new activity. It is good to have a local photographer who can snap a few pictures for you. 
then you can cut yourself rolling the pizza dough. But if you can't afford a photographer, or that's not really practical. I have a list of things that you can stage. That might include signing a release form as you're about to go parasailing and the person's face at liftoff. You have two or three shots from the activity that you can say, check, check, check. It really doesn't take a lot of shots to tell a story. It takes a few good shots, just like you said before. And I'm sure you know this from your work in TV. You don't need a million shots. You need three good shots. So half the battle is thinking about where you're going and what you're doing before you get there mm -hmm. and making a plan. And that's why that list is so good. When I read your list and I thought, this is perfect. It's because, again, you can knock these things out, put the phone away, and then be in the moment and enjoying the activity instead of the person in the corner documenting it all the way through. That matters. You can't make memories when you're not participating. That really is a problem. I have a few tips too, and I want to hear your tips for taking pictures of your family because sometimes we all know when we travel with the kids, they can get pretty grumpy and be like, don't take my picture. My one thing that always works, particularly with group shots or even with candids is that I never tell my kids to say cheese. I always tell them to say whiskey. They think that's so funny. Like they're being asked to say whiskey, alcohol, but it actually makes you smile. You cannot say the word whiskey without smiling. So it's a little trick. If you ever want to get someone to smile, tell them to say whiskey. Fun. I know for me, I play tricks on them. So I will line them up, especially when it's my four kids, their cousin, a bunch of people. I'll have them all sitting together in front of something and I'll say, I want to take pictures. Everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. And then I'm nagging, right? I snap a couple, not very many. And then I say, okay, now we're going to do silly faces because it makes them laugh. Then if I have it on live, they're going to be laughing. It looks more candid and less posed. And I can just pick one where they're all laughing or smiling. My ones at the beginning, I'm probably not going to use those. Someone is going to be glaring at me. We normally will do posed pictures or pictures with everyone when they know there's a treat. Oh, okay, we're going to go get ice cream after this. Let's get a couple quick pictures. Bribery is key. And I don't hesitate to take pictures of the grumpy. I mean, I road tripped from Texas to New England with my kids so many times. And some of the most hilarious pictures we have are these silly, ridiculous ones or someone being grumpy in the back of the car trying to stay angry. And it helps tell the story of how the trip actually was. <laughs> Isn't it funny that our favorite photos of our trips are often the ones that are the funny ones, the unposed ones? I think it's so important to take pictures of the funny and the bad and the gross and the fails because that is what the travel stories and travel memories are made of. And while it's great to have a bunch of the wish you were here photos, sure. But unless you are done, channel where you constantly put out aspirational and intro photos, people are going to be just as interested and like you more if you share your travel fails. And you will laugh with your family. For me, it's having the kids take the photos. I'll just say, you know what, I'll put the camera down. If you don't want to be in it, then take them for me. And what they choose to capture is always really eye-opening. What they find worth a photograph 
it might be a little butterfly on a flower. I didn't even see the butterfly. They just are going to get a lot more creative than I might be when I have a hundred other things I'm trying to remember in the moment. Oh, we've got to make sure we catch a ride to this. And do I have my money? I'm mom, so I have 15 other things I need to be thinking about. They just get to, oh, I saw this really cool flower off in the distance. My kids are better photographers than I am. And I think I'm a really good photographer. I like to just have them take over that job. I love that. With the kids all having phones now, or most of them, the last time that we went to northern New Hampshire and went on multiple hikes, we banged out four or five shorter scenic hikes, mostly with waterfalls or bodies of water in one day. And they had told me the day before that their big goal for the hiking, so I could pick the right things, were they wanted to put their dogs in some refreshing water. They meant soak their feet in the mountain stream. They want to have some time to play. They wanted to look for good rocks and they wanted to take pictures of waterfalls. And I was like, okay, we can handle this. They're pointing things out to me. They want me to take pictures of it was mushrooms. It was funny colored leaves. It was good rocks, good rocks that we couldn't bring with us. Then I see the two older ones kind of plotting their angles at the waterfall. It was really fun to watch. And the way they frame it or put it up when they're sending it to their friends is also entertaining and goes into the story part of it. The other thing I was going to say is when you go on a vacation and just take all these scenery photos or the wish you were here photos, like you said, my my father-in-law passed away. He had traveled avidly a million and one photo albums. And of all these travels that they did, all of them, it was 12 different pictures of the same scenic outcropping. They weren't in any of them. And I understand that photography was different back then. And it wasn't like take a selfie with your phone. But there were so many pictures of things without context that I've started. If I take a picture of something because I want to remember it later or I want to look into it more, I have a note running on my phone at the same time that I'm saying, hey, look up this or, you know, this picture is of this and this is why I took it. And I just voice dictate. It doesn't come out perfect. It doesn't take me a long time to type, but I can remember why I took it, which I think fits into the story afterwards that you're encouraging with the travel journaling. Because it should be about the story and the memories. I'm going to say that's one of the saddest things when you look back through photos of generations before. The photos actually came out, the negative, they had a date on them. And you could write on the bottom who it was. Or we printed photos. And then when I go through my mom's photos, I can flip it over and see who it is in the photo and when it was taken. We don't have that now. As much as we've evolved, the people... 20 years from now, 50 years from now, are going to have no context. They're not going to know who it is in the photo unless someone related is still looking. I think that's another really important part of the journaling is documenting who it was, where you went, what was important about it. And I'm not sure there's an answer for that yet because we really don't print photos anymore unless they're going in a frame on the wall. We just don't. No, when we share photos, we do caption them on social media or or albums or when we share them ourselves, but the actual media itself doesn't really have a tag. Sometimes it does have location tags. It has time and date tags, which are associated with the files, but those can be hard to get at. And it, that reminded me, Naz, I, I just went through my parents' photos and my dad was a photographer. He took thousands of pictures of hillsides and lakes and rivers and streams, and he did not write anything. And it's just heartbreaking because I know they took all these long trips and I don't know what the trips meant to them. I don't know what happened on these trips. I just know there's a picture of a lake somewhere in Italy that 
they were once that. That to me is part of the reason why I'm so committed to turning my pictures and my journals into a story. One thing that I found really helpful, you mentioned that you had notes running in your phone, is to bring post-its with me in a Sharpie. Very old school. But when I get to a new location, I will write at this museum on this day in this city and just stick it open something and take a picture of that. Because when I go through my photo roll, my camera roll later, it's just a visual reminder. Okay, here's where the pictures from this place start. When you're scrolling through thousands of photos, it's so easy just to get lost, even if you can search by location. I am an avid spreadsheet girly and I love to track things. And because I travel a lot for business, I'm taking pictures that I may use in a later travel article. I need to organize them to know what they are. I have an iPhone and there's a caption spot. If you hit a picture, you scroll up and then there's a spot to fill in a caption and add a location because I believe Big Brother is watching us. So I don't have my location on my photos automatically. And so if I'm traveling and taking pictures, I will put captions. It's something I do when I need to decompress or I need to sit down for a little while or I'm getting up in the morning and I'm having a coffee. I, I will go through and caption my pictures because I search for things in my photos a lot. Putting those extra captions in helps it find them. I'm not sure if everybody is aware of that in general out there. You can go on your phone, tap your picture, swipe up and caption your photos and add a location. My fear is we... So many of us, we post our pictures to Facebook, but what happens the day Facebook shuts down? And those are gone. I know you can print them. I've had phones die where I lost every photo. Of course, you can back up to the cloud. I feel like we need to make a conscious effort to take them and put them in some form. What is the solution for that? That is a perennial question. I have photos in three different clouds. I have them in many different places because of just that thing. I'm so afraid of losing them. One thing I was going to suggest, though, that I have learned from my kids, my kids don't keep a lot of pictures on their phones. They take the pictures and then they delete them and only keep one or two. They're so much better at digital hygiene than me, I think, because that has always been their native photo resource. When we started taking pictures, it was all film and it was like a precious thing. You, you've got to get the picture. So I will keep five of the same picture of the same thing. And why? It's because of that mentality of it being a precious thing. That it's and the content creator thing, right? That yeah. has ruined me for that. I take seven different, the same scenery. Doot, 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 doot. So I can use one and be like, this one went. Okay, let me delete that one. That one has been sold. That has made this thing where I make multiple versions of all these different pictures. You might need another one later. You might need a different angle. Yes, but as much as possible, I've been trying to cut down on the number of things that I'm saving, even with all of the captioning and all of the location tagging and all of the notes, I think I have 80,000 images in my cloud. It's not trivial to do a search of 80,000 images, even if they're tagged. I'm more like you, opposite of your kids. I have screenshots in my phone. If you looked through the images I have right now, I want to remember to watch this later. I screenshot everything. Oh, Daly's got a package at the university. She needs this code. These aren't even picture pictures. These are the shorts she thinks she wants. Yep. They are multiple Nike sweatpant label pictures from the ones that fit my daughter the other day. I've got screenshots. I feel personally victimized right now. But you know what? I deal with a lot of startup 
people. So if there is a SaaS company, some founder out there looking for the next venture capital idea for software as a service, fix the picture problem. We're telling you right now, go do that. People will invest in that. That's the next .io that needs to exist. That right there. And a parent, parent note needs to be print. I highly encourage print three photos from each trip. Have them in hard copy form so that maybe you start a stack. Again, when my daughter graduated, I went back to actual hard photo albums so I could make a video. My oldest, when he got married, if I didn't have those hard copies, I would have had nothing. I'm going to keep framing photos and I'll take old ones down and revolve. I just, I'm scared for posterity's sake. I'm scared about what, when we die, who knows what this picture is. And like you said, that there needs to be a solution because they are great memories. And I know we have them in our brain, but when I see a picture of my sisters and brothers and I hiking up this mountain in Georgia, there's only one, it's Stone Mountain. The memories flood back of us hiding in a cave. There's so many memories. And without that hard image, I I don't know that the kids are going to have that. I'm really excited for Sharon's book because I think the idea of theming and the telling of a story really encourages the idea of keeping some physical images as well. I know for my kids, my mother made albums for each of them. And I think theming is where it's at. She made an album for each of them that mostly featured them. And they love to look through it. Now, there's other people in the photos, but she's picking the ones out that are mostly there the focus. And so it's all these different trips and events over the years with them as the featured star. Or I know we do weird things in my family. We have this stuffed sheep that moves around and hides in different places and we'll take pictures of it over the years. My husband used to sneak it into my suitcase when I traveled for business travel and I'd unzip it and it would be in there. And little things like that. One year for a road trip, we had a blow up alien that someone had won. They named him Alex. He was in all of the photos in the car because he had his own seat. People looked at us weird on the highway. Well, this year when we went, I saw one of the five and dime stores, these tiny little plastic alien figure rubber posable things. We got those. Those are in a whole bunch of the photos now. And it's this trend story. I think when you can theme it, It makes it fun. The kids get in on it, too. You can put together little mini albums or collections that are just a family joke. Yeah, and that's where it's at. And yes, you do have to print them. I have little flip books that go back to when I was developing film and I would immediately put the pictures from someone's birthday party or a specific trip into a little flip book. And my kids do still look at this. I have a drawer full of them in our library and they get nostalgic. They pull it out and they look at those flip books. I think that it is important to print your travel journals so that you can flip through them in the future as well. And all of the information is right there when you need it. I would also argue another business idea that you gave me with the screenshots. Those screenshots are not fake pictures. They do tell a story. They tell a story of what you're interested in, what you're shopping for, planning for a trip, what's going on with your kids at a certain point. They remind me of old I found lots of recipes written on the back of brochures or on the back of the inside slap of a different box or torn off a box. I think those were the screenshots of the back, or like the back of the cereal box with the recipe for the Rice Krispie treats that came out really good and your mom's notes on them. That was the equivalent of a screenshot from back then. The Melanin envelope somewhere. I still have them. These are great takeaways. These are, it's not just what pictures to take, but to take notes of them so that you know what they are a decade from now and then to print them so that the kids have them. 
50 years from now? These are the times of our lives. Travel time is so special, especially when traveling as a family. More gets packed into a weekend and you really don't want to forget those memories. They're what brings us together. And actually, I have a tie in here that is Des and I from a former life. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Okay. So Des, TV producer, right? She produced a piece on nostalgic travel. And in that piece, my sister and I went to Storyland in New Hampshire with our kids and Polly's Pancake Parlor, both places we had gone as kids and did photos of our kids in the same spots. So keeping these memories, people, there's a huge trend of recreating pictures and going and try and take pictures in the same spot. I can't tell you how many times in Disney groups I see people asking, where is this? Is this still here? I want to take my kid's picture in the same spot I took mine in. So definitely, I'm sure you have those on the list. But when you're going to places that are kind of family heritage trips or family traditions, to try and take some fun pictures that show how much members of your families look like, how much they've grown over the years kind of view. I did that with my kids. Disney, the Goofy Bench. And it was gone when my son went the last time. I think they were doing some renovations during COVID or what have you. I don't know if they brought it back, but I have them every three years. My kids are all grown now. They're all out of the house and or college. And I won't get that picture again unless they decide they all want to go to Disney together and pose. And then maybe one day with their kids. But yeah, that stuff's special. Print them. Print them. Oh, my goodness. Okay, now I'm going to go cry for a little while. So any last tips about travel and travel journaling other than to go get this book from Sharon? I just want to know where to find the book. She's going to put it on our site, but Sharon, tell everybody listen. It's available on Amazon. I have both Kindle and hard copy versions. The hard copy version has space for you to actually write in it so it can be the journal, the written part of your trip. The Kindle version, if you just want to have it on your phone so you can look at the checklist, is really handy. Perfect. We will definitely put links to those in the show notes so that you can find them easily. And I am super excited about it. 